0: Welcome to Evolutions Weekly, where we dive into the details of our many periodic evolutions, elections. I'm your host, Alvin, and this week is going to be quite a big week because we're talking about a huge election, a major election, especially when it comes to world politics. So, you know, if, you're t- if you tuned into my episode last week, you'd know that this week we'll be talking about the Iranian presidential elections for 2021. So, as of the recording of this podcast, funnily enough, the polls for that election has actually just closed. So essentially the results, it'll take about a few hours from, you know, like as of right now to like basically what it would be in Iran midday for the results to come out or any semblance of the results. And so because of that, you know, because of just how major this election is, I kind of want to like do two parts then essentially. So this part will be primarily dedicated to, you know, telling you, the context telling you the big issues and you know just things with the polls and stuff like that and with the next episode we're going to be looking at the results and just kind of like going like from there you know like kind of like infer what what might this mean for iranian politics what this might mean for the future of iran what this might mean for you know the future of the middle east and you know even global politics in general you know so anyways let's get started so In case you didn't know, so Iran, you know, with how the Middle East is often, you know, viewed, it's always viewed as like this place where, you know, theocracy reigns and where, you know, like religious fundamentalism is just everywhere. Well, I mean, that is certainly the case with a lot of countries, you know, the Gulf states especially. But, you know, in the case of Iran, Iran has always had this unique historical trajectory, you know, especially when it comes to the Middle East. So you know, so Iran actually you know has always been a full-fledged democracy since the Islamic Revolution in 1979. So basically, you know, like before this, you know, in case you don't, in case you don't know, they basically had a constitutional monarchical system. Basically, so where the Shah of Iran is basically, you know, like like the so-called symbol, symbolic head of the state, but at the same time, you know, he's also head of government, or at least acted like a head of government, because of just like how much power he has basically over iranian society but you know that all changed in 1979 when he got deposed and since then we've kind of had this consistent form of democracy especially since 1981 so you know early on it was a bit tumultuous so a lot of people you know got impeached a lot of people got assassinated it was a whole thing so basically you know since 1981 we've had a consistent every four years where the president gets elected so and interestingly enough the first president to come out of this stable period is Ali Khamenei. Now, in case you don't know who Ali Khamenei is, Ali Khamenei is actually currently the supreme leader of Iran. So, of course, you know, if you know somebody by the name of Ayatollah Khomeini, so, you know, the guy who actually started the revolution, so he's his successor, basically. But, you know, I digress. So now let's actually kind of like get to more or less what the Iranian system actually looks like. So... You know, to outside observers, Iran might either appear as a fully democratic nation or as a fully theocratic nation. But the truth is, it's kind of like somewhere in the middle, where basically theocratic elements and de- and republican elements are basically mixed in together. So you know, on the one hand, you, therefore the side of theocracy, you have a supreme leader, the ayatollah, basically. So you know, he's both the religious leader, the spiritual leader of the country. But you know, unlike a head of state, you know, he actually has lots of power in in regards to, you know, Iranian policy, in regards to, you know, just like the fact that he can like veto a lot of the things that the other bodies come up with. So, you know, this supreme leader is chosen actually by an assembly of experts with 86 members elected every eight years. So there is some element of of democracy there. But, you know, it's like democracy in, in and of itself doesn't necessarily mean a country is fully democratic. And we'll get to that in a bit. And, you know, at the same time, the supreme leader has the power to appoint something called the Korean Council, which has a lot of power in Iran, including, relevant to this episode, choosing candidates for the presidential election. So the supreme leader gets to choose six candidates, whereas the president gets to choose six more, basically. So, you know, so within the constitution, technically, the parliament and president, you know, the executive, legislative, you know, the more republican, the more democratic elements of Iranian government, is technically equal to the this more religious side of it, you know, in that, you know, like, they could make policy and the other side could, like, have a say in, like, the amendments and things like that, and, you know, but not necessarily vice versa, so I take that back. So basically, you know, the theocracy is still supreme, but there are democratic elements, and, you know, they have a lot of free reign when it comes to economics and just, like, you know, like, more secular matters, shall we say. So... Technically, they are equal, but, you know, of course, you know, at times, the Ayatollah might, you know, kind of like enforce his own views, his own policies on the executive branch, on the presidency, on the parliament, things like that. And because of this, you know, there's always this tension between the more secular elements of Iranian government as well as the more religious elements of it, you know, where the religious elements tend to be more, a bit more conservative whereas and as the, you know, the more secular elements tend to be a lot more pragmatic a lot more practical about things but anyways so before we actually go into the election itself you know the candidates and things like that something you should know about iranian politics is that you know there's basically two factions within iranian society and as well as iranian politics and it's basically the reformist and the principalist now you know just from hearing that you might can actually probably infer what both each of those sides actually stand for you know, the reformists just quickly. You know, of course, you know, it's for a more progressive, a more open Iran. So, you know, you know, the ones who are like a lot more practical, the ones who are like a lot more. Now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say leftist, but you know, certainly, you know, a lot more centrist, a lot more, you know, like basically, like they're more willing to like negotiate with the world, they're more willing to like engage in diplomacy and things like that. You know, to basically like go move on from from like the dogmatic past and you know towards a more progressive future. So. In this camp, there's only ever really been two presidents. So, Mohammad Khatami, who was president from 1997 to 2005. So, he was the first reformist president. And, you know, he was basically the one who, like, kind of pioneered this, like, reformist movement, basically, within Iranian politics, like, as a legitimate faction. And, secondly, the current guy, Hassan Rouhani. And under his administration, we've kind of had a lot of, like, interesting developments, you know, from... You know, just like in general, you know, like the more opening up of Iranian society, you know, like most notably, you know, with like the JCPOA, which is like the Iran nuclear deal, you know, which now kind of like is a bit in limbo as to like what's going to happen with that. But you know, but under him that happened, so you, so you see like the more like 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 the more inclination here towards diplomacy and things like that. Now, of course, on the other side we have the principalist, who, as you might be able to guess, is more dogmatic is a lot more conservative is a lot more closed off you know like at least you know like not necessarily as policy but you know just with just how iran has been treated you know over the years in world diplomacy especially by the west you know they've kind of ended up you know like we're preferring to like close off more to the west and like kind of opening up more to china and russia for example of course you know you have like the really you know like religious the really islamist elements of this faction but then you also have you know some more secular people who are just simply. Iranian conservatives, you know, like, for example, you know, like, famously Ahmadinejad, who was the president before Rouhani, so he was, for example, a principalist president. So basically, every other president, besides the two that I mentioned above, are principalist or could be could categorized as principalist for the most part. And, you know, in terms of the parliament, you know, like, they're basically these two factions kind of like are, you know, form of, of like multiple political parties, but they kind of like group each other up with these two big camps. So currently, as it stands in parliament, there's actually a huge, huge principalist dominance. And it kind of tells you what the trajectory of Iranian society will be for, you know, at least the next five, six years. So, you know, they had an election for the parliament in 2020. And basically the results was the principalists got 221 seats and the reformists only got 20. So you see what I mean. It's the very lopsided thing. And, you know, there's a couple of independents and, like, minority parties and things like that in the mix, but, you know, in terms of, like, our two big factions, that's basically the case. Now, you might be thinking, you know, it's like, oh, does that mean that, you know, Iranian society is just too conservative to be able to accept a lot of these reforms? Not necessarily, because in 2016, for example, we have kind of, like, a reverse, where the principalist has 83 seats, and the reformist has 121. So you see there's more of a reformist you know, dominance in this case albeit you know there is also like about a hundred independents with varying political inclinations but you know basically we kind of have like a reformist dominance in the last parliament so it's not always like a stable thing necessarily and and basically you know we just like how bad the economic situation in iran has been i think that kind of like explains you know like the more you know like polarizing the more drastic margins ratios in the current parliament. But you know, we'll we'll definitely get to that. So, you know, just before I get to the candidates again, you know, like just quickly, you know, like the main what are the main issues in this election? You know, so I think it's like again, COVID, you know, and like with Iran's case specifically, COVID has been particularly bad for them. So, if you remember Early on, you know, like, in the pandemic, you kind of hear a lot about, like, how Iran is this, like, first Middle Eastern country to, like, actually, you know, just, just be completely wrecked by COVID, basically. And, like, not, there's not exactly a good situation right now, either. And, you know, just with, like, how, like, they've been, like, sanctioned and things like that by the by the West, you know, it's not exactly easy getting medicines, vaccines, and things like that. So, you know, it's definitely been really hectic them COVID-wise. And, you know, getting to what I just said earlier it gets to my second point, basically, about, you know, economic sanctions. So, you know, so Iran has kind of been in, like, a rough patch for, like, the last few decades, just, you know, simply because for the simple reason that they've been sanctioned by the West. And, you know, because they're sanctioned by the West, you know, it blocks a lot of things from technology, from, you know, a lot of potential customers for their goods, for to export, things like that. And, you know, most recently, yeah, COVID goods, you know, to help with the aid of COVID-19, goods, you know, like vaccines, you know, mask machines and things like that, you know, it's like, so, If you know, if they're sanctioned, well, then they can only really get these things from China and Russia, which, you know, have their own domestic issues, and which, you know, kind of, like, are, like, inherently a lot more limited than the United States, for example. So, you know, it's been, like, a pretty tenuous situation for them, and, you know, COVID has basically only exacerbated it a lot more. And, you know, this idea of sanctions by the West, that's why, you know, whereas the principalists would, like, you know, to just say, you know, screw the West, let's just go with China and Russia, the reformists would actually like to open up relations with the West. And hence, you know, we see this in things like the Iran nuclear deal and stuff like that. You know, so that's basically kind of like like the two approaches that we have to like this huge problem, this like overbearing, this dominant problem of sanctions. And that's basically what's underpinning a lot of like the dynamics of politics within Iran. So now enough dilly-dallying, let's get to the candidates. So, first of all, we have a guy by the name of Ibrahim Raisi, who's currently the Chief Justice of Iran, actually. And, you know, he's part of the party called the CCA, or, you know, the Combative Scholars Association. Not really a political party, but, you know, definitely a big organization and part of the principalist camp. So... You know, he's, of course, like I said, principalist, and he's actually interesting enough Iran once before against Hassan Rouhani in the last election. But, you know, of course, Hassan Rouhani won a second term, but, you know, he got about 35-38% of the vote. So he's definitely a prominent figure in Iran, and he's definitely, you know, a guy who has a lot of following. You know, but, like, of course, you know, like, in this case, there is some controversy as well, because Ibrahim Raisi, you know, actually, you know, like, being you know, like in the judiciary system for decades, essentially, you know, he's been responsible for basically a lot of like the more controversial elements of Iran's justice system, you know, where he basically kind of like, you know, like I think 1988, for example, there was this huge trial with like a whole bunch of like activists and things like that. And basically, you know, they were all like killed, basically. So that was so like, that's basically why, you know, he's basically also known as the blood judge, for example, so that's, you know, interesting as well. You know, like was like internationally, he's actually kind of like condemned. He's actually kind of like, I think, sanctioned by the U.S. the government, for example. So, you know, he's a very controversial figure. But in Iran, he has a pretty decent following and a decent chance of winning. So the next candidate is Mohsen Rezaei, who's a longtime member of the Iranian parliament. He's part of the RFII, the resistance front of Islamic Iran. And he's a principalist as well. And then we have Amir Hossein Ghazi Zadeh Hashemi who's an independent technically running in this election and he was he was actually a member of previously the Front of Islamic Revolutionary Stability so that can kind of tell you that he's also a principalist. And now lastly we have Abdul Nasser Hamati, who's a different candidate than the other three. So he's head of the central bank currently and he's pretty close to Hassan Rouhani so you know because of that, it puts him firmly in the reformist camp. You know, so he's part of the Executives of Construction of Iran, which is, like, another political organization. So, you know, out of, out of like, the four candidates, basically, we have one reformist and three principalists. But, you know, it's it's a kind of, like, a lopsided race. And initially, you actually had seven candidates. So you actually had two principalists and one reformist. Now, you know, they probably all dropped out for various reasons. But, you know, a likely reason, perhaps, is for consolidation, and just, like, kind of, like, you know, like, the things that are going on behind the scene that's encouraging them, that's enticing them to kind of, like, drop out, ultimately. And, but then, like, in terms of, like, you know, like, what the race ultimately is about, you know, like, I said there were four candidates, but really, the way it's being being portrayed in the media is it's really a two-way race between Ibrahim Raisi representing the principalist and Abdul Nasser Hamati, representing the reformist. Now, There are definitely a lot of, you know, like, more stronger reformist, you know, politicians in Iran, you know, that Abdul Nazir Hemati is definitely not one of them. He's a good guy, you know, he's a pretty, like, smart economist and things like that. But he's definitely not a guy with any sort of charisma, nowhere near as much charisma, for example, as Hassan Rouhani, you know, who's been able to, through his own, like, personality, his own, like, good policies to basically kind of, like, push for the reformist side of politics. Whereas, you know, Abdullah Nasser is a relatively weak figure, and this basically will reflect in the polls, which we'll get to in a bit. But, you know, basically, you see kind of like how it's lopsided in favor of the principalists and things like that. This is not by coincidence. At least it isn't to, like, the more liberal elements of Iranian society. And because, you know, because they kind of see this, you know, as a deliberate manipulation of the system, there's actually a pretty huge movement going on in Iran currently to actually boycott this particular election. So, you know, and like, to be fair, they're kind of like somewhat justified in that assessment. So, as I said earlier, the way candidates are chosen is that they have to go to the Gordon Council. Now, the Gordon Council, like I said earlier, is basically kind of appointed by the president. At least six of the members are appointed by the president, but another six of the members is by the supreme leader. So, basically, you know, like, they have the final say, basically, on, like, who gets to run as president and who doesn't. So, basically, out of 600 candidates, including some pretty strong reformist candidates, only one actually ended up being on the ballot, which is, you know, which kind of, like, tells you that, you know, there's, what some people are saying is that, you know, there's, like, some things going on in the back, there's some manipulation and things like that, and at the same time, that, you know, basically, this election is kind of just a formality and that... They're basically just giving the red carpet, as it were, to Ibrahim Raisi. So Ibrahim Raisi is, you know, basically in this case, not only being appointed, basically, as the next president, but there's even some rumors that saying that, you know, he might even be the next supreme leader, replacing Khamenei, basically. So, you know, and then interestingly enough, so Khamenei himself actually used to be president. So we might be seeing something similar here with Ibrahim Raisi. In his inauguration, or as some people like to say, coronation as president. So you see, it's like because of like this disenfranchisement with you know the Iranian system of like of like what is supposed to be democratic. You know, turnout is basically expected to be as low as forty percent in this particular election, which you know is kind of unfortunate because Iranian elections usually have a pretty high turnout, especially you know early on in a revolution, with like you know numbers reaching seventy to eighty percent typically. So you know to see something as low as 40% is definitely unprecedented and kind of brings into question the actual legitimacy of the system itself in the future. So, just final things before I close it off, let's finally get to the polls. So, as of right now, you know, as I was saying earlier, you know, with like how there's a boycott amongst the reformists and at the same time how, you know, they're basically making it all go in favor of Abraham Raisi, there's the polls kind of like reflect that somewhat. So what we have is basically, Raisi is expected to get 64% of all the votes cast, and Hemati, to a formist candidate, is only expected to get 4.2. Which this goes back to what I was saying, and like he's a good guy. He's certainly a, you know like a technocrat, but you know he's he he's no Hassan Rouhani, he's no Mohammad Khatami. You know he's not these like he's not this charismatic leader who can actually garner proper support. So. He has four percent, and Raisi has sixty-four. So we kind of know where this elections going more or less. And you know, the fact that only about forty percent of people say they would actually, definitely vote, you know, kind of tells you what the state of the Iranian system actually is, and like kind of tells you what Iranian democracy will probably look like in the future, unless there's a huge reform or there's a huge movement against, you know, like how against this whole tinkering issue. So, in terms of the actual results, they haven't come out yet. So I'll be doing an episode probably a day or two from now going through these results exactly, you know, with you. And if in the future we have similar situations with, you know, like a nice major election, we'll definitely do the same thing as well. You know, I'm trying to get more content out there in general. And, you know, and if you guys like, you know, a lot of these more like, you know, two-parter, a lot of these like more in-depth kind of episodes, you know, do let me know in the comments, you know, on if you're on YouTube, for example. But just in general, you know, that's all I got to say for now and, you know, if you're on Spotify, if you're on all these other podcast platforms, you know, give this podcast a follow, share it with your friends, helps a lot. And if you're on YouTube, you know, comment, like, subscribe, you know, and just kind of tell me what you what you think the results will be, what this kind of tells you about Iranian politics. And, you know, something I haven't really done yet is, you know, just tell me what you want me to cover, what what elections, what political issues, what electoral issues, what figures you know like whose biographies you want me to cover just you know just totally you know go wild so that's all i have for you this week not this week so that's all I have for you for now see you in the next episode